Thanks, James. <clears throat> um, we are going to look today uh, at a new, new series, starting a new series today called Encountering Jesus. And we're going to come to this on the first Sunday of every month. So next Sunday is going to be something a bit different. And then the first Sunday in July, Encountering Jesus again. All right. And in order to encounter Jesus, we have to know Jesus. And in order to encounter Jesus, we have to learn about him. We have to read the stories about him. We have to think about the accounts in the Bible that teach about Jesus, what he said and what he did for us to have an encounter, a life-changing, never-going-back encounter with, with Jesus. And so James has just read um, from John chapter 2, a very famous account. Perhaps you're familiar, even if you don't know the Bible very well, you may be familiar with the whole water into wine miracle. And as it says there in, at the end of the, the passage, this was Jesus' first miracle, his first sign that he did, certainly the first one in the Gospel of John that we've just read from. Jesus, uh, we read, was at a wedding party. And I, I just love the fact that his first miracle took place at a wedding party. It wasn't uh, healing the cripple or, you know, helping the person with leprosy or helping the poor. He did all those things and that, that's amazing. We, we'll see that as we go on through the series. But his first miracle took place at a celebration. And I think that's important. And so here's the scenario. In verse 3, it teaches us that the wine uh, ran out, which, which doesn't matter what sort of celebration you go to, if the, the food and the drinks run out halfway through the party, it's, it's a pretty bad scenario. But in, in, in the times when the Bible was written in the ancient Near East, it was more than just a bit disappointing when the wine ran out during the celebration. In fact, in that culture, in that ancient, ancient Near East, Mid, uh, Mid, uh, Middle East culture, it was considered a massive shame to, to run out of wine. In fact, some historians say, in some cases, that the bride's family could take legal action against the bridegroom if such a thing was to happen. So you know it's a pretty bad time if you run out of wine, you could end up getting sued by your, your in-laws. Uh, but that's apparently what had happened in various parts of, uh, of history. Anyway, it says here that Jesus' mother, Mary, uh, was concerned for the plight of the party goers. P perhaps she was a relative or perhaps she was a close friend of the, the family getting, getting married. Um, and so she said to Jesus, they have no wine. He went to, she went to him for help. And then it says in verse 4, Jesus kind of gives a slightly odd response. He says to her, woman, verse 4, what does this have to do with me? In other words, he was saying, what, what do we have in common here about this? Your way and my way are very different. And this is him speaking to his, his mother. It's, all, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of telling off, but a very, very mild and respectful rebuke. And the answer comes later. My hour has not yet come. I'm not ready, says Jesus. This is not the right time. Anyway, Mary says to the servants, perhaps out of earshot, do whatever he tells you. Just wait. And it says in verse 6 there, there were six stone water jars for purification. And in our uh, passage it says 20 or 30 gallons. Um, in in, in the, met the metric system, that's about 80 or 120 litres per 
stone um, jar. I, I, I sometimes go shopping to Tesco's and you know, on the list is the bin bag size I have to buy and I've always, well, sometimes bought the wrong ones. But I know now uh, through mistake that we have a bin that's about 80 litres and it's the one that comes up to about here, you know. So you can imagine six um, sort of kitchen bin uh, sized stone jars placed next to one another. And Jesus says to the servants in verse 7, fill these stone jars with water. And when they did that, he said, now take some out and, and take it to uh, the master of the feast. The master of the feast, by the way, is, is like a, the head waiter, um, the person in charge of making sure that everybody's having a good time. And so they took this stuff to the master of the feast and, and he tasted it. And when he tasted it, it was amazing to him. This, this, this is great wine, he says. Now, I, I'm, I'm not a wine drinker uh, much myself, except maybe what we have here on Sunday nights, but uh, I, I'd like to guess anyway that I could probably tell the difference between a five-pound bottle of wine and a 500-pound bottle of wine. I reckon most of us would probably have a good shot there. But that sort of difference is, is, is what he was tasting. I, I, as I say, I'm not really much of a, a wine drinker, but certainly coffee is, is my thing. I love a good coffee. I drink a lot of nice coffee, but every once in a while, there's that coffee that you just get hold of, a little more expensive. You just get the temperature of the water right, the grind just perfect, and it hits the spot. And you know you're drinking something special, something different. So I think it was something like that that the head waiter, this uh, master of the feast, tasted something that was greater than the stuff he'd been drinking all day at the wedding. And so he goes to the groom, the guy who's just got married, and he says, what, what are you playing out here? You, you've saved the best wine until last. He says, no, no one does that. Everybody uses the best stuff, the most expensive stuff they have first, so that when the guests have had that and they're, they're enjoying the wine and you know, maybe a bit tipsy, then you bring out the cheap stuff because they don't know any better. No, no one saves the best stuff till last, but you've done that. See, the guy, the master of ceremonies, didn't know this. He didn't know what had just happened, but the wine that Jesus provides in this story is better than the good stuff that's already been used up in the wedding. And so the story finishes by saying the disciples, when they saw all this, when they saw what Jesus did, it says they believed in him. You know, many people will, will read an account like that, and maybe you're familiar with the water into wine story, and you might think to yourself, okay, Jesus turned water into wine, that's, that's, that's interesting, that's nice. Isn't it great that Jesus uh, was concerned for the party as well, and he wanted to help the party carry on? But I, I want to show you this evening that there is a lot more going on to this water into wine miracle than just Jesus doing an amazing trick. There's a lot more to it. In fact, if we are to encounter Jesus this evening, right here, we have to see what this sign is, is pointing to. You see, what Jesus did in this miracle wasn't just any old miracle, any old fancy trick. It wasn't like he could just alternatively have provided a large hog roast for all of the, the wedding crew, or like he could have sprouted wings and started flying around Cana. Or it wasn't like he could have just turned a horse into a unicorn. All those things would be pretty cool, you've got to admit. 
But there's something important about what he did in turning the water into wine. See, it's, la it's labeled with, with symbolism. There's a deeper meaning. I'm just going to try and help you by the grace of God to, to see what that is so that we can all together encounter Jesus. See, it's important you look uh, back in verse 6. It says, These stone water jars were there for the Jewish rites of purification. That is ceremonial washing. According to Jewish tradition, particularly uh, those who were very sort of religious Jews, <clears throat> would wash themselves every time before eating food. But not only themselves, they would often wash their cups, they would often wash their plates, they would even, if they're very devout, they would wash the couches and things they were sitting on. So that when they eat their food, they would be ceremonially clean, right in the, in the sight of God, acceptable before him. You see, Jewish religion, Jewish tradition was very careful about avoiding dirt, avoiding uncleanness. Whether it was the food you eat or the people that you hang out with or the religious actions you perform, a lot of Jewish tradition was about trying to remain ceremonially clean. Because if you're clean, then you're good with God. And that's what these large water stones sorry, stone water carrier things were for. That's what the water represents in this story. They were the attempts to make themselves clean by washing, removing dirt, physically, yes, but the act of doing so, removing spiritual dirt. That's what they thought they were doing. And that was the old way of doing it, the traditional way. But Jesus turned water into wine see water and wine are two different substances they're two different chemical compositions there is a different order between water and wine and we can see it here in this in this story and, and we know it from our common experience the wine is used for celebration it's not used for cleansing if we try to have a bath in wine or a shower in wine you just end up more disgusting more dirty you're, you're sticky But the point with wine is that it's used for celebration. You see, in the, in the Jewish mind, the traditional Jewish mind, wine means blessing. It points to God's favor. For Jewish people, wine was the ingredient, one of the ingredients of the good life, the blessed life. When the wine is flowing, God's blessing is flowing. Even before Jesus turned water into wine, you see the Hebrew prophets from centuries before saw the important role of wine. They, they envisaged this, this new age coming. A, a new way of, of doing things was before them. They, they all pointed forward to an age of, of blessing. The celebration, this time of joy and satisfaction because God's blessing and his favour would come upon his people in fresh and new and life-changing and unprecedented ways. That's what they all looked forward to. And they called it the kingdom of God. This new realm, this new experience of living, this new age brought about by God's Messiah. And we can see in various scriptures that the wine is a sign of this wonderful new age to come. Let me... Let me uh, read some verses from Isaiah, one of the Old Testament prophets who saw this great day. He said, 
about God. You, 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 have, you are a stronghold to the poor. You're a stronghold to needy in his distress. You are a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. Listen, on this mountain, that is the place where they were living, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a, a rich feast, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that casts all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. Listen to this. On that day, he says, he, this is God, will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So according to Isaiah and many other of the Hebrew prophets, this new age is a time when there will be a place for the poor, a place for the needy, a place for those who are distressed, a place for those who need God to be a stronghold, a shelter. He will provide for them a rich banquet. Death will be taken away. Tears will be wiped away. Suffering will be ended. This is what the Hebrew prophets pointed forward to. And so here, fast forward many centuries, this first ever miracle that Jesus did at this wedding party. And Jesus is saying, that new age has arrived. Symbolically, he was showing that the old way is passing. The new way is here. New life is upon you. Jesus was saying, new life is among you. You can end all of your efforts to cleanse yourself, to make yourself clean. The time has come when God will make you clean. Time of God's blessing and his favour is going to be lavishly poured out upon all people. And that time is now. So the question that I want to think through this evening is this. If Jesus, in turning water into wine, if he announced this amazing, blessed life that is here, that is open to us, then how do we today, how do we in this room, how do we get it? How do we enter into that blessed life? How do we receive it? Well, the end of the story gives us a bit of a clue. It says there in verse 11, this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, where he manifested, that is, he revealed, he demonstrated his glory. This is the first sign. And as John shows us, and we'll be examining over the next few months, there is more signs to come. <coughs> but signs are signs because they point to something. And the point with this story is not the physical sign, as amazing as that is, turning water into wine, it is the reality it points to. Because you see, this sign and every other sign in the Gospel of John, every other miracle Jesus did, points forward to his greatest act. The greatest showing of his glory, we could say. Which was his journey to the cross. Sometime later, maybe a few years after Jesus attended this wedding celebration, drinking wine with his friends, Jesus was found at another feast with his friends, drinking wine. It was the Passover. Christians refer to that now as the, the Last Supper. It's the last thing that Jesus ate 
before they killed him. And as he was gathered around a table, not dissimilar from ours probably, with his closest friends in the whole world, the cup of wine came round to Jesus. The idea was they would share it together. And Jesus took the cup and he said to them, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink it. You know what Jesus was saying? My life for your life. I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to pour it out for you. And then Jesus went and demonstrated his greatest sign, the, the moment of his greatest glory, when he was nailed to the cross and killed. You see, folks, this is how the new age comes. This is how we today enter into that blessed life by the cross of Jesus. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave on the third day, when he rose to everlasting life, Jesus shares that life with all who will come to him and receive it. Folks, that is how we enter into this blessed life that he has for us, this new age of God's favour. We enter into it by coming to Jesus and believing in him. But I wonder, if you're thinking to yourself, how does all this help us to encounter Jesus right now? For who he really is? Jesus is saying, through this sign, and to us today, through his spirit, <coughs> you right now, today, can go from the old way of things to the new way of things. You can go from the old age where you're trying to make yourself clean and step into the new age where I have made you clean. Folks, you might find yourself stuck in the old order, like that water, trying to make good before God by following any number of things, religious traditions, behaviours that you think might earn you blessing before God, or even just practices and activities in life that you think will bring you more peace or satisfaction or security. But they simply fail to deliver. They never deliver what it is you're looking for. Maybe you're listening to this and you have tried multiple options, multiple ways, but you never sense peace, you never sense release. Everything you have tried so far has failed you. You might be stuck in the old order, whether you're from a religious background or a non-religious background and you just feel empty. You feel tired. You feel lost. Jesus is clear. Aside from me, he says, nothing else will satisfy you. Nothing will cleanse you. Aside from me, nothing has the power to deliver you. Nothing will match the joy and satisfaction of the new age 
I have invited you to. Maybe you relate to these six stone pots, empty, used up, spent. If that is you, then come to Jesus and he will fill you with new wine. He will replace the old ways and the failed attempts. He will remove your sin. He will remove your shame. He will remove your regrets when you come to him in faith. He will fill you instead with laughter and joy and celebration and thanksgiving. Folks, this is not just a basic improvement in your lives that Jesus is offering, but he offers you this evening a whole new life a fundamental shift in who you are. As I said a few moments ago, wine is a completely different substance to water. It looks different, it smells different, it tastes different, it acts differently. How do you make it yours this evening? How do you make this life yours? I don't know if you picked it up in the text, but there are two groups towards the end of the story. Two groups of people that saw the sign, that, that, that realized that Jesus did a miracle, but only one group were transformed by it. You've got the disciples and you've got the servants. Both of them knew what Jesus had just done. The servants saw the miracle, but as far as they were concerned, that was it. Just a cool magic trick, some sort of... Uh, magic guy from Nazareth has come in to do some tricks for the wedding. They might have been amazed, but as far as we can tell, they remained unchanged. They just saw the sign, but they didn't see the one it was pointing to. You know, if you're on the West Link in your car, you'll see a sign that says Dublin. I will guarantee to you that no one drives past that sign pointing to Dublin and thinks, aha, yes, I'm now in Dublin. Everybody knows that that sign points to Dublin, but it's not Dublin. We're still in Belfast. But here in the story, the servants saw the sign and they confused it with the thing signified. But you see, the disciples, they saw the sign, but they understood what it was pointing to. And see, there is a huge difference between those two groups. There's a huge difference. They knew that this water into wine wasn't just a clever trick. They knew it pointed to Jesus. They knew that that was how he opened the door to them. And so that is how you, this evening, make this life yours. When you see what Jesus did for you, when you see what he did on the cross to open the door for you, when you believe that he died for you, that he literally shed his blood for you, when you get that, when it sinks into your heart, when it clicks, that is when you enter into this kingdom. You take your place at his banqueting table. When you see how he loved you, how he dealt with your sin, how he took it to the grave with him, That is when your heart is transformed and that water is replaced by the finest wine 
Wine that never runs out. Jesus is a true and better version of the bridegroom in this story. He will give you wine that will never run out. The celebration will always continue. Maybe you're a believer already. Maybe you have been a believer in Jesus for a lot of years. When you read this story, I want to point out to you, have hope. Have hope, because if you truly believe in Jesus, you have undergone a seismic shift in who you are. You are no longer of that old order, trying to make yourself clean. You may not always feel like it, but you are filled with new wine, the wine of the kingdom of God. And therefore, as people who believe in Jesus, all of us together are to expect and anticipate and pray for and labor for evidence of that new wine in one another. We are not going to be made perfect until Jesus comes again, but what we are guaranteed is real, substantial transformation in our lives because of what he did for us. Jesus turned water into wine. Will you come to him to receive this evening? We're going to pray as we close out our time together. Father God, we thank you for this teaching from your word. We thank you that this first miracle that Jesus did demonstrates the change that he brings, bringing the old order of things, the old religions, and replacing them with the new age, the time of your favor and blessing. Father, forgive us, forgive us, me included, for all the times when we try and earn forgiveness or cleansing or peace on our own. Father, show us by the work of your Spirit that Jesus is all we have and he is all we need and he is far beyond all of our expectations. So give us strength by your Spirit to come to him this evening, whether for the first time or whether again looking for renewal. Would you pour out your Spirit upon us? Help us to see Jesus. Change us from the inside out, we pray. Amen.